Okay, so we continue again here in Lev Avrom, Ner Avrom, sorry, the uh, idea of Avodas Parsha, taking a small aspect of the Parsha Zashavua and trying to see how it can guide us in our Avodas Hashem. Looking at it through the eyes of the Mepharshim, who, so to speak, unpack it. So this week's small piece is part of the Mitzvah of Bikurim. Okay, the Mitzvah of Bikurim, which we have at the beginning of Parshas Kisavo, on one hand seems like one of the smaller agricultural laws. In other words, in terms of the quantities, even though Truma also originally could just be by a little bit. Bikurim, the way it's described, right, Rashi brings it down, somebody went out to his field, he sees that fig that became ripe, he sees something else that became ripe, a pomegranate, he ties a little ribbon around it, you know, and uh, whether you say, declare it as Bikurim just then or also after you harvest it. And then when you look at the Mishnais and Bikurim, the whole description of the procession that would go up to Yerushalayim with the Bikurim, um, towns would gather together and they would go, and there was music, and uh, it was something very big, a big procession, music. The Medrash brings down here is actually mandated, right, the idea of, of Shira, we'll see. And the Pasuk that sums it up, before moving on to Vidui Meiser, it says, And you will rejoice with all of the good, or in all of the good that Hashem, your God, gave you into your family. You and the Levi and the Ger, who is there with you. Now, the Tefer Shlom of Radomsk, who is going to be the main source we're looking at tonight, um, there is very little left nowadays of the Radomsk Hasidus, but in Poland before the war, it was very, very big, and it had a very large network of yeshivas, which were called Keser Torah. There was even a Torah publication of Chidushi Torah called Keser Torah, which was there. And the Tefer Shlomo was both a Rav and a Posek, and uh, also a Hasidish Rebbe. So you can read the interesting descriptions about it. There's an interesting book. They wrote it in English uh, translation. It's called The Hasid from Hamburg. It's about a... Uh, a Yeke from Hamburg who somehow felt this draw to become a Chassid and he ended up in Radomsk. So my wife's a Yeke, she thinks it's a sad story. I'm more of a Polish Chassid, I think it's a happy story. So you can uh, see how you read it. Yeah. So, um, so he says like this. He says, the mitzvahs, and we referred to this last week, are called by the Zohar Kodesh Itin, which in Aramaic means Eitzas. Every mitzvah is guiding you toward Kirves Elokim, toward Avas Hashem, toward Yerash sometimes the Torah is more explicit about what particular mitzvahs do. For example, the mitzvah of tzitzis. It says, you'll see it, uzchartem is kol mitzvah Hashem, v'asisem osem, help you remember the mitzvahs of Hashem and perform them. Tefillin says, Hashem right? Tefillin will help you be someone who has the words of Torah constantly in your mouth. It says, here in Bikurim, that's what the Torah is telling you as well. When you do the mitzvah of Bikurim, it is teaching you how to be sameach. It is teaching you how to be happy. Okay, now that is really what everyone's looking for. They tell me that there's some lecturer now in Harvard whose specialty is happiness. And his lecture is the most packed of any lecture in the university. Because everybody wants to be happy. I don't know what or how or if he can teach you. We know that simcha is something important in Judaism, is a theory in linguistics, 
that if a culture has many words for the same thing, it's very important in that culture. Right? The famous example, Eskimos, many words for snow because right, it makes a big difference in your life as an Eskimo what type of snow it is. So Jews have, right, Simcha, Gila, Rina, Ditsa, Chedva, Sason, countless words about this idea. But the question is, how? How does a person, you know, become happy? Oftentimes when you see in the Torah, it tells you to be happy. Yontav, right, v'samachta b'chagecha. That makes it even harder to be happy, right? Now I'm going to get in trouble for not being happy. They're telling me to be happy, and I can't, I don't know how. So yeah, Sex makes it different, Rabbi Jonathan, sex. Yeah. There's happiness and there's joy. Oh. Happiness is the individual. I'm a happy guy because, you know, I, you know my, the stocks went up and so yeah. on. And joy is because I'm part of a community. Something that's ongoing. It's ongoing, but you have to join with others in it. Can't be done alone. With the uh, Levi, the Ger, the Yosem, and Yantif, you have to... Right. Atam Samech es Shali, Ani Samech es Shalcha. Yep. So he brings two approaches here. He brings many approaches. We're going to look at two of them, and we're going to look at how it's echoed in other Svarim as well, as to how it teaches you to be happy. Um, I'll refer to one in the beginning. We'll get back to it. He says... When it emphasizes, you will be happy in all of the good that Hashem gave to you. He said, let's get real. Not everybody who brought Bikurim was a wealthy man. Some people had some really pitiful little amounts of Bikurim to bring up. If you lived far outside Yerushalayim, you couldn't bring fresh fruit. You would bring dried fruit. You would try to dress up your basket with fresher fruit to make it look nice. We know the Mishnah describes that the wealthy people brought their Bikurim in gold and silver, right, in containers. The poor people brought in baskets woven of reeds and aravos and these things. So it's kind of hard to be happy when you have some little homestead out in the Galil and you schlepped your way up with a few sorry-looking raisins and a few other things that you put in there in this little basket. And there's some other guys coming up there with the you know, Rolls Royce of Bikurim. Uh, and it's individual. You will be happy in Kolatov. How? So he says, This is what we call sometimes sentimental value. Right? If a person ever lost their luggage or something like this, really lost it, didn't get it back, and they ask you, okay, itemize the items in there, what were they worth? You know, so you go through, he said, and, and I had an entire album of, of photographs. Okay, how much is that worth? That, those were the only photographs of my grandparents. That was our family album. $10? $20? Priceless! Right, what do you mean? Some paper, right? It's some plastic. But the idea of the sentimental value, and especially with a gift, who it's given from, right? If a king gives you something, right? Sometimes people get these pens from... You know, there was some place the president signed something, gave you the pen. Like people treasure it. Every individual is able to have the joy in what they have if they recognize who it's coming from. This echoes what we find in benching, right? The, in uh, Parshas Noso, when it talks about Birkas Kahanim, Yisa Hashem Hashem will favor you. Yisa Hashem, which means favoritism. And 
Chazal asks, how can that be? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a kel mishpat, he does justice. So you say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, well, they bench not just on a kibetza, but on a kazais. So therefore I favor them as well. What's going on with that? The Pesach says in benching, You eat and you'll be satisfied, and you say, How do you measure satisfaction? So Chazal set a baseline. A kibetza of bread is that which brings the average person satisfaction. Okay, but Am Yisrael decided we're going to bench on a kazayis as well, which is about half of that. How can we do that? If the Torah says you have to be satisfied to bench, how are you doing on that which isn't satisfying? Svasemis so answers, says, because Am Yisrael look at the bread and they realize that it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu who's giving this to me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me this bread. If you see Hasidim in a tish, they get that little piece of fish from the Rebbe, right? And they do it and they share it with their kids and put a little in their pocket to bring home for their wife. I mean, what is with you people? It's from the Rebbe, right? This is from the Rebbe of all Rebbe's, right? That bread that you have. Even though in terms of quantity, it's a kezayis, they're so delighted. So too HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that mitzvah, which you do, eh, it may not look like so much. It's like that little piece of fish, but it's coming from these people that love me and that are happy with what I've given them, and therefore I accept that as well. That's how that balances. So here, a person is able to have the happiness because it comes from Hashem. That's one approach. But the one we want to focus on more now is the following. He says there's something educational here. The Mitzvah Bikurim is teaching us the idea of histapkus b'mot, meaning being happy with what you have. Okay, now he says, you have to realize, happiness really is, is what people are looking for. When Chazal said, Ezu Ashira Samech Bechelko, those Mishnayis where they f- formulated them in questions, why'd they give it as a question? Why not just say, Asamech Bechelko Hu Ashir? Ezu Ashir, because if you ask the man in the street who's rich, their median answer, duh, someone with a lot of money. So you answer back, how much money? Uh, million dollars? Eh, nowadays, million dollars? Yeah. Eh, $500 million? I don't know, but you can't buy your own private jet, maybe. A different, how much is it? And if a person has a billion dollars, but his wife is angry with him, or his parents aren't speaking to him, or all the relatives who you didn't give enough money to aren't speaking to you, etc., et is that what you want when you say, I want to be rich? No, that's not what I want. So what do you mean when you say you want to be rich? I want to be happy. I want to feel good. And that can be done and only done if you're Sameach Bechelko. So therefore, he says, this is this two types of Shefa which come into the world. Okay? He says, there's a Shefa which comes from the Sitra de Kedusha, from the pipeline, if you'll call it, of Kedusha. And that Shefa satisfies a person. When a person gets things in that way, you feel happy with it. You feel good. He says that's what we refer to in benching, right? We say that it comes mituva agado, right? Mituva agado tamid lonu val lonu. When Hakadosh Baruch Hu gives us things out of His goodness, so we don't feel that we're missing, and it doesn't cause us to miss anything else. There's another type of shefa which comes from the negative side that other sitra, and there it's called tzmeah. 
it makes you thirsty. It's like drinking that salty water. The more you get, you, the more you want. And that's where Chazal's statement, Yesh lo mona, it's a masayim, right? Oyev kesef, lo yizba kesef, right? A person who loves money, he'll never be satisfied with money. Nobody dies with even half of the things that he wants in his hand. Somebody once said they saw a bumper sticker that said, right, he who dies with the most toys wins, or something like that. I don't know, it's like, there's a competing bumper sticker that says, even the rat who wins the race is still a rat. Okay, so that's uh, important to remember. So he said, that's the tzameah. So he says, therefore, he says, the mitzvah of Bikurim teaches you the idea of shlemus, that you're coming to the base of Migdosh, and it was a particular avoda that was done there and that so many people participated in with you. And then you feel simcha, not just in those fruits that you have, but b'chol Suddenly now you're able to realize HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me exactly what I'm supposed to have. That which he didn't give me isn't for me. And you feel satisfied. And you reach that happiness that a person is supposed to do. That is this concept of histapkus, of ezu oshir samech bechelko. That was the gift that a person would get when they brought their bikurim, and that's what they would bring home with them. It's, it's a tremendous key for a person to be able to have. They say, Barry Levine, right, lived right near here, that um, when he became more famous toward the end of his life, people would come from Chutzlarts, ask for a bracha, and they would walk into his little apartment there in Nachlot, and they would be horrified. And they say, Rebbe, we'd like to buy you a better, a better house. And he would say, my house is so nice. The walls, he says, they stop the wind. The roof stops the rain. He says, it's a great house, right? And people might laugh at it, but he was happier with his house than oftentimes that person with a mansion that wishes he could expand a bit more. The ceilings could have been higher. The windows could have been stained glass or whatever it was. He was rich. So that's what we have in terms of physical things. Now... The interesting extension, and it's a fascinating question, and there are different sides of the question, but I'm only going to follow the side that he's taking, among others. You can debate it till late at night. Does the concept of Ezu Osher HaSamech Bechelko, who is wealthy, the one who is happy with his lot, apply also to Ruchnius, to spiritual things? Most people's immediate reaction is, Chas V'Shalom, Chas V'Shalom. In Ruchnius, you're always supposed to be hungry. In Ruchnius, you're always supposed to want more. In Ruchnius, whatever you've done is not enough. That is what people think. But many, many sources say otherwise. Let's look at the Tifer Shlomo and then some others from different places. He says, That you feel whole and happy with what you have. What does that mean? Meaning, we are given different tools. We're given different minds. Right? A person, one person once told me, you know what I got out of my years in yeshiva? I feel guilty for the rest of my life. I said, I don't think that's the point of going to yeshiva. Right? In other words, you can always see people who learned more than you who know more than you, and you look and you say, if only, right, if only I had his mind, if only I had his heart, right, any of these things that people look for and ask for, he says, no, you should be happy with what HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you. 
you have a terrible memory, okay, that's the type of learning you're supposed to be doing. It doesn't mean you don't try to remember a bit better. A friend of mine, years ago, he told me he was having problems remembering anything he learned. So he decided he would ask the eights of the Amshin of a Rebbe Shlita. Now, the Amshin of a Rebbe, a lot of times these meetings, when you finally got one, it would be in the middle of the night. Right? So he got a call at 2 o'clock in the morning, go to the Rebbe's house at 3 o'clock in the morning. He said it was this very awe-inspiring experience walking through the dark and by Dvigan at 3 in the morning. And he comes into the Rebbe and he says, I'm having problems remembering my learning. The Rebbe said, have you tried listening to recorded shurim? Those sometimes help. He was like, what? You're not going to tell me to say a parak of Tillam a certain amount of times or go to some mikvah someplace or anything? No, this is the mind that you have. Use tools that can be used to help your mind learn things. We're not going to give you a brain transfusion. And you have to learn to be happy with that mind that you have. He says, Don't spend your time thinking about that I wish I could be like him. That person's a great tzaddik, that person's a great Talmud Chochem. He says, what you're supposed to do is you try to maximize doing what you are, who you are, living your own life. Now, what about the Chazal that says, right, a person's supposed to say, when are my deeds going to reach those of the forefathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov? Right? And that seems like kind of a hard thing to ask people to say because you're never going to get there. So he says, it's true, but what that means is, just as they maximize their potential with what they had, you maximize your potential with what you have. If it's not in the power, not just of your intellect, which seems to be, a more, call it maybe a physical limited thing, but even in your Kedusha, I'm not as Kaddish as the Chavetz Chaim. You know, so to sit around fantasizing that I'm going to be with the Kedusha of the Chavetz Chaim is wasting your time, is wasting your life. You're not living your life. And he says, And don't be jealous of other people in trying to pursue or imitate them in that way. Chazal call it, right? Kina, they say, is it rots your bones. The word for bones, atzamos, comes from etzem, your atzmiut, your essence, who you are. If you're jealous, so you don't have yourself. Yourself decomposes before they even put you in the ground, right? When you live a life of jealousy. Feel at peace and whole with your madrega, which doesn't mean you don't keep moving on, but that's who and how you are. Yes? Rabbi, I've found often it's not the quantity that you learn, it's who you learn with which makes it special. Correct. Be the most special thing to learn with myself. Correct. Because uh, there you're, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with you when you're doing that Vishinantam Levanecha that it says in the Torah, you're part of something very eternal and powerful moving on that chain. Right? And it doesn't matter how many you learn, like you say, and it doesn't matter even the depth of which you learn at that point. You try your best in doing that. But that is that fulfillment of the Vishinantam Levanecha that's in the Torah. That's something which is very powerful. Okay, so this is what he's telling us here, and it's something that has to be fleshed out a bit. Before 
we try to make it a little bit more practical. And let's just broadcast ahead. This is really, really important when it comes to Yom Naraim. When it comes to Elul, right, for a person to sit around just thinking, right, that I'm not like the Chavetz Chaim, I'm not like this one, I'm not like that one. I don't know how many people do this, I do this. You know, you stand in front of some bookcases of Svarim, say, I'm never going to learn these before, right, the, the trumpet blows, so to speak. I'm, I, I thought maybe when I was young, I'm not going to do it, right? And it may be, okay, but you can pick up a safer and learn. And that's much more productive than sitting there crying over those that you're not going to. So, just so we shouldn't think it's only Hasidim who write these things, okay? We try to be equal opportunity here. So, a Talmud of Rav Chaim wrote a sefer called Menucha Kedusha. He says the following, You should know that I heard in the name of the Vilna When it comes to things of Avodos Hashem, you should be happy with your lot. Certainly a person should have a desire that your heart should be able to open and contain and understand lots of Torah. And to say the statement, You're supposed to be happy with what you have. You've done a mitzvah, you've done a maizatov. Look at the parallel to Bikurim. Those fruits that you bring, it says, whoever you are, however many fruits you bring, you should and you can be sameach with that. There's a beautiful, uh, there's a beautiful uh, parish of the Kotzker, I say over often, in Pirkei Ovos, right, it says, The standard way of explaining that Mishnah is, don't say, when I'm going to have time, I'm going to learn. Maybe you'll never get time, right? We know the scenario. The rabbi says, Joe, how come you never come to the shiurim in shul? Rabbi, when I retire, I'm going to come to all the shiurim. Right now, I'm so busy, right? He retires, gets his gold watch. Unfortunately, he has a heart attack, and the next day never comes. The mission says, no, no, no. Don't put it off till then. But there's another type of explanation. The Kutzker says, A person might say, I know what learning is supposed to be like. Learning is supposed to be when you're able to focus on it entirely with your mind and your heart and put yourself in there. I'm not ponui. I don't have the bandwidth. My mind is so distracted by my tzoras and all the things I have. I, I can't focus and I'm exhausted. If I'll go to the shir, I'll be up for 10 minutes, I'll fall asleep and I won't be able to tell you the next day what I learned. Right? When I have a life which is clear of those troubles, Eshnet, then I'll be able to learn the way learning is meant to be. Answers the Mishnah, Shema Lotipone. The way the Kotzker said it, Evshe Bista Lotipone Mensch. Maybe realize that HaKadosh Baruch who gave you that life that you have. You're a Lotipone Mensch. And he tells you to learn Torah. And that learning Torah that you do, those 10 minutes of this year before you sleep, and even the very fact that you went to the show exhausted, and you did your 10 minutes and fell asleep. That's what you're here in this world for. That's why he constructed that life for you. Don't reject it saying because of that. Okay, so this is what one's supposed to do. Again, in, from the uh, Litvisha world, if we'll bring of Chatzka Levenstein, right, the Mashgiach Mirin and Ponovich. So he said like this, he said, this was really the mistake of Cain. 
Okay? Cain brought a carbon, Hevel brought a carbon. Hevel's carbon was accepted. Cain's was not. And Vayichar the Cain Maud Vayiplu Panov. And he got very upset. And he got very sad. Okay, now the way Rabchatzkel says is like this Cain Choralo. Cain was upset with the Hoya Svarotzen Rimatsovo. He was very unhappy with his state in Ruchnius. He's saying, Hashem rejected me. He rejected my carbon. He says, now that looks, if we would look at Cain, oh, oh, what an Ovid Hashem. He's sitting there in his field by his rejected flax seeds, crying tears as he watches Hevel's carbon accepted. Right? He says, and that's why he got sad. So he's, he should be a big Balmadrega, we would think, that he wants to reach such levels. He wants Hashem to accept his carbon. Says Mikom Makom, nonetheless, Rainusha Khorishborhu Tovea Osalkah. Hakorishborhu took him to task for this. Umoralo Shamatsov Zeshunafilas Ponim Varogiz Vakasal Kachin Khoso inumis Kabelas Enadh Nakhono. Khorishborhu told him that's not the right way. Khorishborhu said to him, Loma Khoralach, Loma Lofnu Ponecha. Shouldn't it be obvious? He's an Ovid Hashem, and his carbon wasn't accepted. And therefore he's crying. HaKadosh Baruch was telling him, don't do this. If you take that pathway of the depression and the self-affliction right, uh, and all those things, it leads to hate, and that's exactly what happened. He said, Cain went downhill until he became a murderer. So therefore this teaches us, Whatever situation you're in, you should accept it with happiness and with willingness. Okay, now he says, certainly, as we've always said, a person still wants to grow and does grow. Nonetheless, he says, this was written in the Torah to teach us this idea. So, when he talks about cheshbon nefesh, right, accounting, now in Elul, some people get very into cheshbon nefesh. Recently, they've come in the bookstores with these little diaries, you to mark down your different averas and your different things, and you can do you know, a spreadsheet and averages and all these kind of things. But people don't like doing cheshben anefesh because they say, why in the world do I want to look at how bad I am? So the Messiah Zesharim says that there's two parts to cheshben anefesh. One part is true, to look at things you did wrong so that you will avoid them and not repeat them, but also to look at the good things that you do so that you will be able to increase them and repeat them. And, I'll add in parentheses, to rejoice in them, like he says, and to be happy. Don't just be looking at, well, I didn't do this, well, I didn't do that, but you did do this, right? And that is something that you should be full of joy with. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you the opportunity. That's the Ashanosan Lecha. He let you do that. He gave that to you. Revolba says, it's interesting, I heard this from Noah Horlowik Shlita. He told me in the name of two of the great Bali Musa, Revolba Zetzal and Rav Zedel Epstein, Zetzal was Mashgiach and Torah Or. They said that young people especially, and I don't know the line of demarcation for young people, I think I'm still there. When they're starting out on their path of Cheshben Anefesh, they should start only with that part of looking at what good you've done. Only with that solidifying the idea that I am good, I can do good, Hashem made me good, then you can work more looking for your problems. doesn't mean if you see a problem, you don't try to work on it. Right? But, you, but you do th that, 
you're supposed to be able to focus on a sefer. Rabbi Oluk said he was aghast. He said, he said, but all the sefer Musser, are, are you telling me it says look and look into averas and look at them and see deeper and deeper? Rav Obas told him, he said, it's like a person who has these stomach pains. He comes to his doctor. He says, doc, my stomach's killing me. He examines him. He says, I figured it out. You, you got an ulcer. He says, can we do anything? He said, there's an operation we could do. Great, when do I get it? He says, you don't. He says, why not? He says, because of your heart problems. Your heart's too weak. You couldn't make it through the operation. He said, that's what happens nowadays. Well, the medicine in those Sifri Musa is good. But until a person's heart is strong, it'll kill you. You have to first, right, recognize the good you can do. Feel happy with the kachos that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave you, with the limitations. The fact that he didn't give you the Chavetz Chaim's mind, heart, etc., was because he didn't create you to be a Chavetz Chaim. And to sit there spending your time, you know, depressed that you're not the Chavetz Chaim is not what's supposed to be. The stories we read about Gedolim enable us to inspire us to transfer it into our world with our Kalim, to do what we can and to do it happily. <coughs> Hopefully that'll help us do the Avod of Elul and Rosh Hashanah with Simcha and Tuv Levov while still growing and yearning for more. Thank you.